This podcast is brought to you by Pastor Stormy Swan and Faith Christian Family Church of Lubbock, Texas. For more information, please visit faithchurchlubbock.com. Right, thank you, thank you. Good to see you here this morning. Honored to worship with you again today. Great blessings over every one of you. If you're a guest, we're honored to have you. We always start our service by giving you an opportunity to get a Bible. So if you need a Bible in your hand, raise your hand up high and our ushers would gladly get you one. And again, my thinking is this, you get in the Word and God will get into you. So I will tell you this, the more you get into the Word of God, the better off you're going to be. And here's a thought for you. In our society anymore, we've gotten away from looking to God or the Word of God from our problems. If you'll turn to the Word of God, even in your problems, God will help you. He'll work, he'll, he'll work within you, I promise you. All right, we're in um, a series here on You Were Made for More. This is our third week of it on the area of forgiveness. And so once you've got a Bible, go with me to the book of Luke chapter 23. As you're going there, I'm just going to tell you, it's uh, going to be a morning that may be a little interesting just as far as in your heart. But I believe this, the way you receive the Word of God, God will move today in your heart if you'll be open to this. And again, it's one of those areas sometimes that I think, Lord, I, I don't want to speak on these things. But it's in the Bible, so we cannot overlook it, okay? So, the book of Luke, chapter 23, on forgiveness again. I'm going to begin in verse number 32, Luke 23, 32. There were also two other criminals led with him to be put to death. Now, this is when Jesus was going to be put on the cross to die. The Bible's very clear that when it talks about these two criminals, it was prophesied about him that he would be numbered with the transgressors. That's what's taking place here. Verse 33. And when they'd come to the place called Calvary, there they crucified him with the criminals, one on the right and the other on the left. Then Jesus said, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they do. Now, that's an incredible statement here. Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. Now, I want you to get this picture in your eyes right here, right now, that here Jesus is on the cross, uh, beaten beyond recognition, swollen, the, the dried blood all over him. And the very men, the very religious leaders of his time that had cursed him, that had mocked him, ridiculed him, spit upon him, and then crucified him, are standing right there before him. And Jesus says, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. Just an unbelievable statement when you look at that. So as I'm looking at this and studying this the other day, this thought rises up on the inside of me. So just for a little bit, I, I want you to think that mm, you have a teenage son, and he, and he comes home from school one day, and he opens the door, and he's beaten beyond recognition. His eyes are swollen, bruised. You see dry blood on him. What would you do? I mean, I think my first response would be, who did this? Now we're going after them. If it's the last thing we do on this earth, we're going to get even with them. 
And what would happen if your 15-year-old son looked at you and said, let it go, Dad. Let it go. I forgive him. This is almost exactly what the Lord Jesus said. He said, Dad, let it go. Forgive them, for they know not what they do. Pick back up with me. Same chapter, verse 44. Now it was about the sixth hour, and there was darkness over all the earth until the ninth hour. Then the sun was darkened, and the veil of the temple was torn in two. And when Jesus had cried out with a loud voice, he said, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. Many translations or many of the other writers would say it is finished. And having said this, he breathed his last. And so Jesus' final breath here on the earth, as, as he uttered these words, his spirit was released. Now here's the point in why I read that. I don't believe Jesus could have died and left this earth if there was unforgiveness within him. The Bible's very clear in, in um, Isaiah 53 and then again in Revelations that there was no deceit found within him. In other words, there was no words that were spoken against these ones. So when you look at what the Lord Jesus did, the atmosphere of forgiveness is what he did. He died with forgiveness literally. And you know, every time I read that, you can look and you can have the thought, that's not fair. That wasn't fair. But how many times have we had the thought, because we've been done wrong, we've been beaten, we've been spit upon, that we say that's not fair. Now just for a minute, I want you to fill in the blank whether it was a male or a female that did something that hurt you. That did something that hurt you bad. And you said out of your mouth, he or she doesn't deserve to be forgiven. They don't deserve it. And you can say that with tears rolling down your eyes. You can say that with a broken heart. And you know what? Every one of us in here would probably get it. But again, in God's eyes, it doesn't fly. They don't deserve it. Well, let me ask you a question. How many of us in here deserve to be forgiven by God? How many of us in here deserve to experience God's grace? So the Bible's very clear. Matthew 10, freely you've received freely give. Now turn with me to the book of Romans, chapter number 12. And with that thought, not easy, is it? Not easy to forgive people. And when I read the Bible at times, I look and I think, man, Father God, you, you set the, the, the bar, the standard incredibly high. But God would have never done anything that he didn't require his son to do. So the same with us. So again, woo, when we talk about the amazing grace of God, boy, it's so true. And so my prayer for not only you and me, but is that God's grace helps us to walk this out. Romans 12, begin with me in verse 17. Repay no one evil for evil. Don't pay back anyone evil for evil. Now again, in our society, in our world we live in, that's the thought. They do me wrong, or they do me wrong, then I'm going to do them wrong. They hit me, I'm going to hit them back. But here he says, repay no one evil for evil. So this is the standard. This is what he's told us to do. Now, 
every one of us in here, we can repay evil for evil. But when you begin to live that way, whoo, there's crazy consequences that are going to come at us. And where that comes from is you'll reap what you sow. So he goes on to say, have regard or respect for good things or aim for good things in the sight of all men. Not just the ones that are good to me, but all men. If it is possible, as much as depend on you, live peaceably with all men. Now, there are times I've, I've read that and I think, so Lord, I'm, I'm to live peaceably as much as depends on me? Even though at times I'm the victim? I'm the one that they did evil to? I'm the ones that they mocked me? This is exactly what he said. And if you'll note in there again, he says with all men. Verse 19. Beloved, fellow believers, do not avenge yourselves. Do not take revenge yourselves. But rather give place to wrath. And we know the word wrath is, is rooted in anger. And so if, if I don't obey what he says, there becomes an anger that starts being deposited within me. Now look at this promise here at the end of verse 19. For it is written, vengeance is mine. And this is what Father God says. Vengeance is mine. So in that statement right there, there's nothing wrong with vengeance. It's just not mine or yours to do it. God said vengeance is his. Now I can tell you two things in the Bible that are clearly God's is the tithe and vengeance. You know what vengeance is a lot like? You bite a dog because the dog bit you. Now look what he says here. Vengeance is mine. Now get this. I will repay, says the Lord. There will be a recompense. There will be a retribution. But again, it's not my job to repay with vengeance. God said he'll take care of that. Verse 20. Therefore, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he's thirsty, give him a drink. For in so doing, I want to highlight the word doing. In so doing, actually doing something, not just saying something. So biblical forgiveness is rooted not only in my attitude, but also in my actions. So he said, for in so doing, you will heap coals of fire on his head, which literally means you will surprise him with goodness. So in this world, if, if you've done me wrong, we'll have the thought, well, he's going to get even with me. But when you do him good, he said it's like heaping coals of fire upon his head. Now this all becomes a choice. Verse 21. Do not be overcome by evil, or don't let evil conquer you, but overcome evil with good. In other words, what he's saying there is, is you conquer evil by doing good. Now again, this goes totally opposite of how our world operates. And there's times I look at passages like this and I say, man, the Word of God is annoyingly accurate. God sets the bar high. Now again, he wouldn't have told us to do this if it wasn't possible. 
So in the book of Matthew, chapter 18, verse 35, two weeks ago, this was one of our main scripture references. It says, if you don't forgive men from your heart, God can't forgive you. Now there's a difference between forgiving someone from my heart and from my head. Let me give you a little illustration of that. If you've had children, whether it's boys and boys or boys and girls, at times you see them argue and fight. Now, as a parent, how many times have you ever said, now you're going to apologize to your sister for that? And this is probably how and what your child did. This is how they looked. I'm sorry. You really meant it, didn't you? So again, you see, we can forgive in word with not having anything to do with our heart. And so when I truly forgive from my heart, There's something released on the inside of me, and and it it rids me of all that ugliness. It rids me of of a bitterness. And if you've ever really forgiven someone from your heart, you know when that takes place. Now just here for a minute, I want to give you a couple things that forgiveness doesn't do, okay? When you forgive someone, forgiveness doesn't mean you forget it. The old attache, forgive and forget. Well, that's only half true. Because for you to forget it, that means you've got to have amnesia. That means let's just pretend it didn't happen when it did happen. Now, I can go back through the Bible over and over again, and just because I'm forgiving someone doesn't mean I'm going to forget it. And I'm going to tell you a true story here in a minute that will bear witness. The second thing forgiveness doesn't do is forgiveness doesn't release them of the consequence. Oftentimes we have this thought, well, if I forgive Jim for what he does, that means that there's no payback or vengeance. Now, God said, I'll repay that. I'll take care of that. Now, here's the third one, and this is a big one to me. Forgiveness doesn't mean that you will always reconcile a relationship. See, sometimes we have the thought, well, if I forgive someone, now i got to go on a picnic with them. If I forgive them, i I got to go drink coffee with them. If I forgive someone, i got to allow them back into my life. No. No, would you allow a sexual predator back in your child's life? No. So really, when we talk about forgiveness... There must be safe and secure boundaries because God doesn't want you to get hurt again. Better stated, God doesn't want you being a crash test dummy, okay? So let me give you a couple illustrations. If you were in business with a man or a woman and they did you wrong, they lied, they cheated you, they caused you to go in bankruptcy, and so for me to forgive them, that means i got to go back into business with them? No. How about this? Maybe you were sexually abused. Maybe you were raped by a person. Does that mean I've got to allow them back into my life? No. No. So I'm studying on these lines the other day. And I I come across this story that moved me incredibly. And one of the reasons it moved me incredibly, I was born in Oklahoma. Well, the place where this took place is was eight miles from where I was born at, a little bitty place. So the story begins, and there's a young woman who's in her teens, 
And, and she has been Miss Oklahoma teenager, a very bright, very beautiful. So one day her and her brother, an older brother, they're out in the front yard playing. They're shooting baskets, I believe. The mom's in the house fixing dinner, and, and the dad's in the house just relaxing. And this man appears, and he says, hey, I'm having car problems. Can I use your phone? Well, it'll date the time they were in because I don't think there were cell phones then. And for you young ones, there used to be these things called landmines. Landlines. So he invites, or, or she invites him in and says, yeah, go ahead and use the phone. They tell the mom and dad he needs to use the phone. He's on the phone, and while he's on the phone, the front door kicks in, and there's another man standing there with a pistol. So for the next two straight hours, this older brother and mom and dad have to watch these two men repeatedly rape their teenage sister. What did that do to you? Then the two men, after a couple hours, they come in and they sit down at the table and they eat the dinner that the mom had prepared for them. On their way out, to cover their tracks, he takes the pistol and shoots the daddy in the head, takes the pistol and shoots the mom in the head. So now, right in front of these two teenagers, mom and dad are dead. He specifically says this, that one of them turns around and comes back and takes mama's wedding ring off and daddy's wedding ring off. They leave. So for the next couple years, this young man... His world is turned upside down. You can imagine. He tries to go to college, flunks out. Tries to go to college, flunks out. Everything he's doing is a mess. He tries college the third time, and he runs into a professor who knew Jesus. And the young man begins to open up to him, and this professor says, I've got to teach you about what biblical forgiveness is. You know, biblical forgiveness is a process. And he begins to walk this young man through it. The young man forgives these men from his heart. He lets it go. And his life starts changing. He graduates from college. Down the road, he becomes elected to a very high position in the state of Oklahoma. His first week on the job, he calls the warden of the prison where those guys are at. And says... I want to come to your prison to see those guys. Now, if you're the warden, what do you think he's going to do? Woo, paybacks are rough, boys. He walks in, tells the warden why he's there. They go to the man's jail cell, and he says, open the door. I want to go in with him. He walks in, and the guy's looking at him, and he says, you don't know who I am, but I know who you are. And he says, you're the guy that killed my mother and father and I watched you rape my sister. And he said, why'd you do that? And the guy who did it begins to weep with tears. And he said, on that day I did it. He said, we were so messed up on drugs and alcohol, I don't remember what I did. This man looks at him and says, I want you to know, 
on such and such date so many years ago. I forgave you from my heart. He said, I don't have ill will against you. I forgave you. Now when I read that, what would I do? What would you do? But yet, if he would have held on to that unforgiveness, I don't believe he would have ever got where he was at. Because what happens with unforgiveness, that poison and that bitterness, it stays on the inside of us. And so when we release that to Father God, something begins to happen. Now turn with me to the book of Ephesians chapter 4. Ephesians chapter 4. And I'm, I'm going to start reading in verse number 31. But before we get there, the Apostle Paul, starting in verse 25, he uses the word put away. And he uses it a couple times, and he says, put away. Put away. Now, if you go through there and read that, you'll see all the things he tells us to put away. Then in verse 27, Ephesians 4, he says, don't give place to the devil. Don't give foothold or stronghold. Don't give room to the devil. Don't give him an opportunity to camp in your life. Now I believe what he's talking about are all these things he tells us to put away. They have the potential to allow the evil one into our lives. So we pick up verse 30. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God. The word grieve there means to cause injury or distress. It also means to offend or sadden. Now, I, I don't believe the Apostle Paul would have told us this if it wasn't a possibility. So he said, don't grieve the Holy Spirit. Why is that important? By whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. You were sealed. You were marked. You were branded by the Holy Spirit. The, the, the New Living says, or the message says, don't take such a gift for granted. So as I look at that, how can we grieve the Holy Spirit? Verse 31, watch this. Let all bitterness, wrath, anger, clamor, and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice. Now, I read through that verse really, really fast. And the reason is everything that he mentioned right there is rooted in unforgiveness. When I live in unforgiveness, these very words that he mentioned in verse 31, they, they get on the inside of me. So the first one he says was bitterness. Bitterness to me is like living with a lemon in your mouth every day. How many of you have ever been around someone that's bitter and, and they don't have to say a word? You just look at them. They look like they've been drinking apple cider vinegar all day. That's because of bitterness. Gets on the inside and begins to dominate. Now listen to these other wordings here. And, and again, the reason I'm reading this, it can identify each one of us. I just want you to look here and see if any of these identify you. Wrath. The word wrath there means rage, a bad, bad, bad temper. And man, when you go off, you go off. Anger. Anger is rooted in resentment and animosity. Proverbs 29, 22 says, a furious man will abound in transgression. 
And here's a crazy, crazy stat I read on the word of, of anger. In our society right now, seven out of every ten of us deal with some degree of anger. You know the Bible says don't let the sun go down on your anger. Again, it does something. When I get in anger, people see me in a light that they normally don't see me in. Look at this next one. Clamor, which is quarreling or brawling, fighting. And evil speaking, slander. Now, when we talk about evil speaking, a lot of times the way unforgiveness is revealed is through evil speaking. Critical. I'm going to throw another one out here for you through evil speaking. That can be through evil texting. That can be through a thing called your Facebook page. Because you know what evil texting and your Facebook page are all? All they are is you're allowing your fingers to, to say what your words are. And so again, they do as much harm as, as, as speaking evil in the natural. And so as I look at this one here, evil speaking, again, evil speaking will locate me, but evil speaking a lot of times is rooted in, in griping, complaining, but it has a form of unforgiveness. So what would happen if we asked Father God, Lord, I'm going to fast for evil speaking for one day. Could you get through one day? If you went through one day, could you go one day without speaking evil about the president? Or past presidents? Could you go one day without speaking evil about our government? Your spouse, your kids, your co-workers, the church. Here's the truth about speaking evil. I don't know that most of us would get off our city block before we'd already spoken evil about somebody. Stupid drivers. Bunch of idiots. Where did they get their driver's license? Out of Cracker Jacks? See, again, when I look at this, it's so easy to fall into evil speaking. Look, look, look how he deals with this. And you notice, I'm not saying that to you. I'm talking to me on that. I'm telling you, man, when I get behind a steering wheel, whoo, the Lord is still working on me. Evil speaking, and look what he says. Be put away from you with all malice. You know what malice is? It's ill will. It would be like me looking at Orlando and saying, I hope this happens to him. I hope his day is miserable. Let all this be put away from you. Verse 32, and be, be. The word be is saying to actually do something and be kind to one another. Do you know kindness is one of the fruit of the Spirit you find in Galatians 5? And be kind. Kindness has a language of its own. Do you know a deaf person can hear kindness? A blind person can see kindness? What would happen if I begin to allow the Holy Spirit to work kindness in me? And then this next one, and be tender-hearted, be compassionate. And look at the last one. Forgiving one another. So I believe to a degree, you know what he's telling us? The way we grieve the Holy Spirit is we walk in verse 31 instead of verse 32. 
And how do we forgive one another? Oh my goodness, even as God in Christ forgave you. Now let me ask you right now, did Christ forgive you a lot? Not only did he forgive me a lot, he's still forgiven me a lot. And as long as I'm on this earth, he's going to continue to forgive me a lot. So guess what he said? Here's the example. So when I look at this right here, I'm either going to be living verse 31 or I'm going to be living verse 32. And if I live verse 31, the apostle Paul says what not to do. The apostle Paul saying, drain the swamp. Verse 32, he said, this is what you're supposed to do. And this test right here, it reveals whether you've forgiven or you haven't. Are you kind? Are you tenderhearted? Now, I got one more passage I want you to see this morning. Turn with me to the book of Hebrews, chapter number 12. Hebrews, chapter 12. Now, again, I may be stirring some things up within you. This whole series for the last couple months has been on God has more for every one of us. I believe that with all my heart. But if I allow unforgiveness to stay on the inside of me, I'll never get there. Remember, the Lord said, if you don't forgive others from the heart, God can't forgive you. I have a choice to make. Hebrews 12, two verses, verse 14 and 15. Pursue peace with all people. Seek peace with all people. Now, when I see the word pursue there, that means I'm going to have to do something. I'm going to have to make an effort to do this. So when you see someone that's pursuing peace, they weren't born that way. They made a choice in their life. You know what? I'm going to pursue peace. I'm going to seek peace. And then he goes on to say, with all people and even holiness. Holiness is, is, is in the way I live. A consecration. And he's telling us here, the same way you pursue peace, you're going to have to pursue holiness. Now look what he says. Without which no one will see the Lord. Wow. That's quite a statement. Verse 15. Looking carefully or watchfully, lest anyone fall short of the grace of God. Is it possible to fall short of the grace of God? I believe that's what he's talking about here. And you know what he's saying? You don't want to miss the blessing and the benefit of the grace of God. The New Living says, none, none of you fail to receive the grace of God. Now, now watch what he goes on to explain, and this is where it gets really, really uh, good to me. Least any root of bitterness springs up. Least any root of bitterness springs up. And when it springs up, it's going to cause trouble. The Amplified says, bitter torment. So I begin to look at all this that he's talking about, and when he talks about this root of bitterness, you don't see a root. It's underground. See, the root of bitterness on us, it gets on the inside of us, and it starts taking root in your heart. And just because I don't see it, 
year after year, maybe month after month, week after week, when I don't deal with that root of bitterness, it's growing. It's at work. It's getting, it's getting stronger. Now, in the last few weeks when we had all this rain, I, I can go in my front yard, and those little weeds, I, I can get a hold of them, and I can work them out. You know why? Because the root's not very deep. How many of you have ever got a root? I mean one of them big honkers. And you pull, you, you, you put your boot on or whatever, you try, you know, and before long, guess what it does? It breaks off at the top. And you know what you say or you do? You say, on it. And guess what? That's what happens to us a lot of times as human beings. The only way you change the fruit is to deal with the root. And so as long as that root of bitterness is in there, it's growing and it's working. And if I don't ever deal with the fruit or the root, nothing changes. And so before long, that root is going to spring up. And when that root springs up, he said, it's going to cause trouble. Now look how he ends this. And by this, by what? By the root of bitterness, many. You may want to underline many. Many become defiled. That word defiled means contaminated. I become contaminated. So let me tell you this or give you this illustration, this thought. Let's just say right out these front doors, we got this big, big low area. And it's full of water. And I tell you, that low area has got poison in it. It's got acid in it. It's no bad. It's, it's contaminated. Well, you know what? If I told you that, you wouldn't let your kids after church run out there and wade through it. Think about those words. Contaminated. So what literally becomes happening with us is when I allow the root of bitterness to keep working on the inside of me, when it shows up, it's going to defile you. And he said many, many are defiled by this thing called the root of bitterness. And the way the root of bitterness, according to Romans 3, is revealed, it'll come out through your words and through bitterness. That stuff will spring out. And none of us are exempt. And so I'm going to ask you, have you had unforgiveness in your life for a long time? Because if you have, that root of bitterness, he's there. And it's going to bring with it great trouble. I don't care who we are. I'm not exempt from this. And it releases poison. It releases a toxic. I believe this with all my heart, that when people begin to erode in their minds, their bodies, and they even dry up spiritually, one of the greatest tales of that is the root of bitterness. And I told you it wasn't going to be easy today. But I believe God, He wants to set us free. I am got ready to say, aren't you glad to come to church today? Some of you may say, no, I'm not real glad I came to church today. Only the truth sets us free. I've been in the ministry quite a few years now. And I've seen the root of bitterness a couple of times. Some in worse degrees with others. I'm going to tell you about the worst story I've ever witnessed as a pastor with the root of bitterness. 
because it played out right before my eyes. Eighteen years ago, this church was located in the Holiday Inn right over here on the South Loop. We had church in the Holiday Inn. Is there anybody in here who used to come to the Holiday Inn to church besides me? <laughs> I'm telling you, it was at the Holiday Inn. I swear to tell the truth, the whole truth, nothing but the truth. Six months we were there. Well, in that time, this, this little lady started coming. Loved to worship God. Sunday after Sunday, she came by herself. Faithful, faithful, faithful. Woo, Pastor, I love you. Preach the word. You actually opened the Bible. So one day I asked her, I said, you married? She said, yeah, my husband goes to another church. So before long, we outgrow the Holiday Inn, so we move out to 50th and Q to Barcroft. This lady continues to come. Before long, her husband starts showing up. But they never came in the same car. Before long, the husband, he's there more and more and more. But the wife is less and less and less. And anytime you'd get around them, you could tell, man, there's something, something's not right here. And so this goes on for a little while. One day I get a call. And she's been diagnosed with cancer. That tumor within her is the size of a volleyball. Right there in her tummy. So she calls one day and says, Pastor, I believe in healing. I believe James 5. You anoint him with oil and pray the prayer of faith over him and they'll be healed. I believe in the name of Jesus that God said if you'll lay hands on the sick, they'll, they'll, they'll recover. Mark 16. I said, I believe that too. And she said, would you come to the hospital and, and pray for me and anoint me to be healed? And I said, I'd love to. I said, I'll be there on da-da-da-da-da in the afternoon. So I come in here and I'm praying that day. And when I pray, just as I pace like this, I, I just pray. I walk back and forth. And so I said, Father God, I pray your healing anointing today. I pray you begin to move. And I called her by her name. And I said, Lord, I, I pray that she gets healed today in the name of Jesus. And the Lord spoke to my heart. Now, don't freak out when I say that. Okay? That's the Bible with the prophet Samuel. There early on, he was with the priest Eli. And he kept waking up because he heard God. And Eli would look at him and say, I didn't hear nothing. Well, God will talk to you, okay? And that isn't necessarily being in an audible voice. He'll just speak to you in a still, small, quiet voice. And you'll begin to understand that. In other words, God doesn't yell out from heaven, hey, stupid. So I'm praying. So I hear this in my, in my spirit. And he says, don't pray for her. And I'm going to tell you right now, it, it, it rocked me. I was like, now wait a minute, that, that's what we do. We pray for the sick. And so I walk back and forth a little more, and I hear it again. And this time it's a little stronger. Don't pray for her. And the more I pray for her, the more it gets stronger. And so finally I just said to the Lord, why? And he said, I've dealt with her for years with unforgiveness. Now here's the thing about unforgiveness. I don't know I don't know what had been done to her. And I'm just going to say it. I don't know what her husband had done to her, but evidently he had done something because it was bad. 
And so now as a pastor, what do you do? Do you call her back up and say, hey, I'm not feeling good. I'm not going to make it today. That's quite a, a man of character, isn't it? So I drive up there, and man, I'm telling you the whole way I go. I hear that, don't pray for her. So I go to, to Covenant Hospital, the East Tower, the sixth floor. This is 16, 17 years ago, probably. You remember all that? Oh, I remember clearly. And every floor, the elevator would go on, ding, ding, ding. I would hear the Lord say, do not pray for her. So sixth floor, boom, here I am. And I step off, and I mean, it is so strong on me. I mean, I'm, I'm wanting to get in and go back down. So I'm just going home, Lord. I'm, I knock on the door. She says, come in. I walk in and look, and she, she has this tumor that looks like she's pregnant with the baby. It's that big. She said, Pastor, I'm, I'm so glad and blessed you came to anoint me in oil and pray for me. She said, I believe God's going to heal me today. What do you do? You pray a courtesy prayer. You know what a courtesy prayer is? You know God's not going to do nothing. Just look at her and say, oh, in the name of Jesus. And I got more character than that. And so I looked at her and I said, I'm not going to pray for you today. And she said, why? And I said, because the Lord told me not to. And I said, the reason the Lord told me not to is you have unforgiveness in your heart, and he's dealt with you for years. And when I said that, it was like Mount St. Helens erupted. Bitterness spewed. I mean, it, it was like she changed personalities. And with venom coming out of her, she rose up in that bed and looked at me, and she said, I'll never forgive him. I'll die before I forgive him. And I looked, and I said, I wash my hands. I said, I have nothing against you. I'm just the messenger boy. There's death that been in that family since that. And so when I look at this, I know this stuff isn't popular. But again, when we walk around with unforgiveness and bitterness... You know, a lot of times people that become bitter, they become bitter at God. And she became bitter at God. And you know what her thought was? God, why aren't you healing me? And again, if I don't tell the truth in this area, it doesn't do us any good. Now, here's the deal. Not one of us in here are exempt from unforgiveness and bitterness. And so I ask you today, are, are you bound by unforgiveness and bitterness right where you know? And even in Jim's life, if I brought up a name and that name I said, it caused a uh in me. An ill will within me. That's a good sign. I'm bound by that. Again, I want you to go back to what I said. I'm not telling you you got to do life with them again, but something happens when I just begin to release it from my heart. And I can tell you guys, I've had to release it from my heart. Recently, and I said, Father God, I'm, I'm not going to pick that offense up. I'm, I'm letting it go. I'm letting you have it. And I can tell when my heart is right.
Thank you for listening today. For more information, please visit faithchurchlubbock.com.